It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you for downloading, for subscribing, for letting me spend part of your day with you. You can get the free daily podcast, as always, by subscribing at thepetecalendarshow.com or on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. I am everywhere. Virtually. I think I'm everywhere. If you find, by the way, if you do find a podcasting platform that I'm not on, please send me an email, Pete at the Pete Callender Show, and uh, I will get onto that platform. My intention is to take over the world uh, via the podcasting. Well, to solve all the world's problems. That's why I would take over the world, to solve all the problems, you see. <laughs> Actually, I don't even want that. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm just happy doing the podcast, offering up solutions that... Nobody listens to. Thank you very much to patrons of the program as well. I do appreciate folks like KD, David, Mark, Lair, Krista, Sam, Dustin, Deborah, Josh, Joseph, Luella, and Timbo. I appreciate they became patrons. You can as well. You get exclusive content uh, and you help support the program that you know and love so very much. So um, let's see. Unemployed people who get a job. Uh, You're going to get a bonus if the North Carolina legislature has anything to say about it. Yeah, they want to pay you to go back to work. I've been doing this wrong for the last year. (laughs) Apparently, I, yeah, I screwed up. I should have just sat around, not worked for a year, and then I would have been paid a bonus to go back to work after getting unemployment benefits that, uh, you know, truth be told, probably is more than I've been making as a podcaster. (laughs) So uh, I'm the fool here. So maybe there's a little bit of envy that I'm working through that I just it's subconscious maybe or something. I'm not sure. Um, I just I find it. I find it repugnant that we have to pay people to go back to work because the government benefits are incentivizing people to not work. I find it repugnant. I've told this story before over the years. So about over a decade ago, I got let go uh, at uh, a previous radio station and um, I went on to unemployment. And this happened at uh, so this would have been 2011. And uh, I went on. So I had a severance for like a month or something like that. it was like three weeks or something. And then um, I uh I went on to unemployment. And at that time, so Republicans had just uh, they had just taken over. The Republican Party had just won in the state legislature, won a supermajority. So the unemployment system was still the uh, the leftover system from when Democrats ran it and ran it into the ground. And when the economic collapse occurred, right, when the Great Recession hit in two, that late 2008 and um that was the sort and so all the people went on to the unemployment rolls and everything. And that system had gone bankrupt in North Carolina. They ran through all of the money in North Carolina. And by the way, the unemployment insurance system, it's an insurance system. Okay. Unemployment insurance. It's not a it's not a welfare program. Okay. It, this is the, these are dues that are collected or premiums that are collected by employers. This is why employers don't like firing a bunch of people because it goes on their record basically for insurance purposes, right? Like you don't want to keep 
having a lot of people that you fire because then they get unemployment insurance and you become a higher risk for that insurer, essentially. So the state of North Carolina administers this program and it's a backstop. And so when the Great Recession hit, the Democrats had so poorly managed this system that it went belly up. They had no more money. And so we had to borrow, I think it was somewhere north of $2 billion from the federal government. And I think it was only California and New York at the time had borrowed more money than North Carolina had. So now Republicans take over 2010. They win in November 2010. They now take over in 2011. Um, And just as they sort of get into office and start working uh, as a majority for the first time in over a century and a half in the legislature in North Carolina, I get let go. I go on to this unemployment system. And I got to tell you, I made almost as much money, um, or I should say I received almost as much money from unemployment than I made at work. That's how rich, quote unquote, the benefit system was. And I was at the top end because they had a sliding scale based on um, how much you made before. And that was that that would uh, parlay into or be used to calculate how much you received on unemployment. And so I was at the top end of that scale. And I want to say I was pulling in. So, I mean, I did have to pay taxes on it later, but when you get it initially, it's tax free uh, or it's not taxed at that point. Um, I think it was somewhere north of two thousand a month. So a check every week for five hundred dollars and my wife was still working. So like I could tell that like when I first lost my job, I was, you know, hitting the bricks. I was trying to get uh, uh, look for new work, look for uh, look for a job. But at the same time, remember this is now that we're coming out of the Great Recession. And there were people who had gone on to unemployment and uh, they had run out of their unemployment benefits. The, these were Remember this group called the, the 99ers, the 99-week people? They had been on unemployment for 99 weeks. Think about how long that actually is. That's almost two years. And when they came to the end of that time period, they were like, well, now my benefits are are running out. What am I going to do? I don't have any money. And now, by the way, you're trying to go back into the labor market, which was already constricted because the Great Recession, the remnants of that. And so now they're trying to go back into the market and they don't they've got a a, a two year gap in their resume. And for some reason, employers are not terribly thrilled about seeing (laughs) a two year gap because what was happening was people were getting callbacks or interviews, not a lot, but they would get some, but then they would not take the job because it wasn't their dream job. And I don't want to say dream job, maybe not in all cases, but it was like, well, I don't want to go do that because it's less money. I don't want to go do that because there are worse hours or I'm overqualified for that job. I'm better than that job. Right. And, And so they would just reject some of these offers that came down the line. And um, I felt it myself after I had been looking originally, you know, it was all, you know, my full time job was finding a job after a couple weeks, after then a couple months. And I think I was unemployed for about two months. um, I could feel myself starting to kind of lose the fire to search for a new gig. I could. I felt myself not being as motivated to find work because I was getting paid. It was like, okay, yes, we we canceled the cable. We canceled, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what else. We had satellite at the time. So, you know, no more television, premium channels and all that stuff, right? Started dialing stuff back, not going out to eat, all of that. And um, 
once you make those kinds of changes, once we made those changes, we were not struggling for the money. Now, that's, and people would say, well, then it's working as intended, right? The progressives would say, well, that's the point. Right, but at some point, the safety net becomes a hammock. And at some point, if you're willing to dial some of these amenities back and you don't miss them so much, well, are you motivated to go find work? I've said this before, too. In the current state of, uh, of our economy, it is a rational decision. People are behaving rationally when they take more money to do less. That's a rational choice. This goes back to the, uh, the age-old axiom, you know, people either have a lot of time or they've got a lot of money, right? People who have a lot of money, generally speaking, don't have a lot of time. They're working a lot. They're, they're busy all the time, right? But they have a lot of money because of that. Um, and anybody who has taken a second job knows this too, right? You work a full-time job and then you're like, I'm going to go get a part-time job on the side. Yeah, you don't have time to spend your money, right? Um, so that's, the, uh, that's one side of it. Then the other side of it, though, is people who have a lot of time, but they don't have a lot of money. So they just kind of sit around, yes, right? <laughs> or they fill their days with other things. Maybe they take up painting or or pottery. I, I'm like I'm not judging. I'm not trying to be negative or pejorative about this. I'm just saying that's the axiom: time or money. Okay, um, and it seems like if you give people a lot of this extra money, so they don't have to worry about it, and they can make their bills, and then they can pursue other interests. They can sit around and go for the high score on Grand Theft Auto. Like they can do that. Um, you might be incentivizing the wrong kind of behaviors that are detrimental to people in the long term, okay? Speaking of long term, you got to have a good night's sleep uh, if you want good health long term. A healthy uh, body requires uh, a good amount of sleep, like eight hours, seven to eight hours of sleep every night. And that means you need a good mattress. And you're in luck because I know where you can get good mattresses. At Mattress Man, mattressmanstores.com, that's the website. You can score a free box spring at Mattress Man. Uh, this is from the Biltmore Collection. You buy a mattress and you get a box spring for free. Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection, inspired by our very own local landmark, and uh, the Biltmore Collection made by Restonic with edge-to-edge -edge sleep surfaces, five support zones for correct spinal alignment, which means a more restorative healthier sleep for you. Synchrony Finance offers zero down, zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants. Uh, they have tons of flexible financing options. All you got to do is go to mattressmanstores.com, click the financing link, apply, and you'll be pre-approved immediately. And then when you go into any of their stores, the four local stores in Hendersonville, Asheville, or Arden, you're already approved. You're pre-approved. It's like going to buy a house and you're already, you know, you're already pre-approved for the mortgage. So you don't even have to worry about it. Uh, you can experience this difference for yourself. Go to mattressmanstores.com or, again, any of their four locations and let the sleep consultants help you pick the right mattress for you. Mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So unemployed people who get a job would receive a one-time bonus of $1,500 under legislation that is being led by Republicans in the General Assembly. I've got some audio from their press conference. First up, we've got State Senator Chuck Edwards from Henderson County. He unveiled the proposal at a news conference. I hear in my district constantly from employers and from all over the state that while Masks are coming off, capacities are going up, mm -hmm. uh, our economy is poised for a recovery. 
we have a, uh, a stagnant system that is not allowing employers to hire the workforce that they need. Many folks will, uh, will tell you, many folks believe that it's the federal assistance, uh, so many stimulus packages that are preventing people from going back to work. And we all know that there's a place and there's a time for a good solid unemployment program. And I believe that we have seen that happen in the United States when so many business were, businesses were asked to close. Uh, but now it's time to get back to work. We have an economy just waiting to, to break open. 24 other states have already found a simple way of encouraging folks to get back to work, and that's by no longer accepting the federal stimulus. Our governor has given me no indication that that's a possibility in North Carolina. And so I and many of my other Senate colleagues are proposing a plan today on the Senate floor uh, that is a rewrite of House Bill 128. And that proposal is that we would take from the very $300 a week stimulus fund that is going to fill uh, folks to stay at home right now, uh, a $1,500 bonus if they come back to work within the next 30 days, and an $800 bonus if they were to come back to work in the next 60 days. Okay, so you've got different tiers, as he just outlined there. Um, you've got this first tier of $1,500 if you find a job within 30 days, or $800 if you find one within 60 days. And this money, as he just said, comes from the extra money that the feds are giving the states for unemployment. This $300 uh, per week per person that was part of the COVID-19 emergency relief dollars. According to the Carolina Journal, it also means that the bill would add North Carolina to a list of 24 states that have discontinued the $300 a week bonus payments. Now, Governor Cooper, as Senator Edwards just outlined, Governor Cooper could do this himself uh, and just say, we're not taking the unemployment extra benefits. We're not taking that. But he hasn't. He hasn't. So he continues to incentivize people not looking for work. And that is what has been occurring, folks. Like, you can't, you cannot look at all of the places right now that have, you know, now hiring signs all over them that here they are trying to hire people, but nobody wants to work. And all you got to do is ask them. I've, like, I've lost count of the people that either work at places that can't find help or own places that can't hire help uh, that have told me. We go into restaurants, and, I mean, there's one uh, uh, nearby. They're closed, I don't know, it seems like three days a week now. It's just random. Like, you walk by, and and they got a sign, sorry, we're closed today. The bar is open, but the restaurant's closed. Because we can't hire people. Nobody's taken the job. And now the response from some on the left, the progressives say, well, you should be, you know, paying more money, and then they would take those jobs. So in other words, what they're saying is that it is a proper role for government to be competing with the private sector on wages. That's what they're saying, that the unemployment benefits are comparable 
they're competitive with the private sector and that that is appropriate. That is an appropriate role for the government to be doing, to be competing with these private businesses and forcing the businesses to raise their wages even higher, even if it puts them out of business, because that's really what you're doing. Like you have to raise these wages so high that the businesses are no longer profitable. And how sad, like what a sad, ironic commentary on modern America where they may make it, these businesses might actually make it through the pandemic, through the government-ordered shutdowns, and then go out of business because people refused to go back to work because of the government programs that incentivized them not to. House Bill 128 did pass the Senate. So they did this news conference, and then they took the bill over to the Senate, and they ran it through, and it passed. So here is Senator Chuck Edwards again. He says, look, it's only natural for people to get set in their ways after a year of government-imposed lockdowns. And let's face it, uh, humans are a creature of habit. And we've created a habit now for 14 months that uh, many folks can just simply get by. And it's easier to not work than it is to work. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of folks are going to look at this bill and, and, and see it as something that is sought to just help employers. And while it is important to help our employers and get our economy back on track for all of our sake, I believe that there's a lot in here for someone that is unemployed, and that is to change a habit. I believe it's important that we get folks in the habit now of going through the activities that are required to get a job because September 6th is not that far away when the federal stimulus ends and it would be a travesty for folks to continue to receive unemployment and the federal stimulus and then see September 6th come around and not know how they would be providing for their family. I believe this bill is good for the economy, it's good for employers, and uh, it's it's good for the workforce, too. Right. So September 6th, the federal bonus payments expire. And what are folks going to do? Because we're now in the beginning of June. you got June, July, and August, so three months. So what the, And the concept here, and I understand what the Republicans are trying to do, is they're saying, look, if Cooper is not going to uh, stiff arm this funding, if he's going to keep taking this money and he's going to keep using it to subsidize people not going back to work, then we're going to try and take that money and ins- and turn it into an incentive for people to go back to work. And this gets really to a fundamental uh, ph- philosophical difference, I believe, which is that there is value to work. No matter the work, there's value in it. There's there's dignity. Uh, there's there's pride a sense of self-worth that people get by working. And maybe this is a, uh, maybe this is more of an, oh gosh, as I'm about to say it, I'm like, this is going to get me canceled. Maybe this is a male informed uh, perspective. Maybe this is something that men tend to identify with more. And I know this is another thing that's going to get me in trouble. Men and women are different. (laughs) And so men, this is, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus and you know men tend to identify ourselves uh by the jobs we do and women tend to identify themselves by the relationships that they have and that's neither one is superior none neither one is better or worse than the other it's just it's like men are you know men like to mess with things right men are uh 
men are attracted to things. They they not like not sexual attraction. I'm saying like they they're drawn to things. They're interested in in mechanical things. And women are more drawn and attracted to and interested in people, right? In relationships. It's just they people are just wired differently. Now, that doesn't mean all women, hashtag not all men. Like I'm not saying that's the rule for everybody, but generally speaking, that is true. And the truth is general. So Maybe this is a male-informed idea, but um, this idea goes back a really long time. Ever hear about, you know, idle hands and the devil's workshop? Right? People who have a lot of free time on their hands, <laughs> they uh, sometimes don't make the best of decisions. And so, uh, you know, putting your efforts and your your intellect into some sort of a profession uh, or a hobby, whatever it may be, but, you know, directing those energies that that then, you know, it, uh, uh, you are compensated for, it gives you a sense of pride and self-worth and dignity that you don't get by getting the high score on Grand Theft Auto. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying it's not cool. Yeah, you got the high score, but, like, I'm not so sure that that's, that's going to be a lasting you know, dignified moment for you <laughs> forever. Um, now, if you're looking for a forever home, then uh, you want to call Rowena Patton. That's who we called to get our house. 828-333-4483. Rowena Patton. She has homes in all price points and she has buyers lined up. Put her and the all-star powerhouse team to work for you, buying or selling. Uh, she's the only agent that I've ever recommended. She's the official and only Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. That's a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. This goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So give her a call. Keep more of your own money uh, and tell her you heard it here on the podcast. That's 828-333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and then start packing. At this press conference, Congressman Ted Budd was also present, even though it was a state press conference, state Republican press conference, a federal representative, Ted Budd, who's also running for U.S. Senate. He was there as well. He said, Republicans are committed to getting people back to work, and this is part of that effort. 8.1 million job openings, but yet only 266,000 jobs created as of the last job report. We've all heard from small businesses and job creators around the state. They they simply can't find workers to fill the job openings. The number one priority needs to be getting folks back to work as quickly as possible. I'm proud that Senator Edwards has taken the lead right here in Raleigh to do just that. On a federal level, my bill is called the Back to Work Bonus Act. Uh, We've got support from the, and I'd like to thank the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association, Winston-Salem Business, Inc., and other organizations that have come on board. It really seems that we have right now, unfortunately, a stay-at-home bonus along with the uh, enhanced unemployment. So my bill would convert that to a back-to-work bonus in the form of a one-time $900 payment to get people back into the workforce. But remember, the cost of the bonuses would be taken from already appropriated unemployment funding, which would be a net savings to the taxpayer. So it's not additional money. All the good intentions of government spending around the world or here in the U.S. just cannot replace the productivity and the dignity, as Senator Edwards referred to, of a job. So bottom line, whether it's in D.C. where I work or in Raleigh right here, I'm going to support any proposal to incentivize more North Carolinians to get back into the workforce. 
Okay, so Ted Budd's legislation, if it were to pass, which he's a Republican in the Democrat-controlled House, and so I don't think it would pass, but he wants $900, a lump sum payment for people who get a job. And that is in addition to the proposal, if it were to pass, uh, and get approval, by the way, from the feds. So they need to go to the federal government and get approval up there, too. So probably not going to happen there. But let's say all of these, uh, these, both of these pieces of legislation pass and the feds approve it. That would mean that you could make $2,400 by taking a job within 30 days. Like I said, I've been doing this wrong. <laughs> I've done this completely backwards. I, like I, I wasn't like this is an experiment in the universal basic income. Okay, and and see, this is the problem. The one of the key elements of the basic income or the big the the basic income uh, basic income guarantee, the BIG. Um, the idea was that you implement this basic income for everybody. Okay. But then you also dismantle all of the other welfare programs. That was always the intention. It was a way to uh, maximize the efficiency of the uh, the tax redistribution, right? So rather than collect all the money from all of Americans, run it through the bureaucracy at the federal level, and then uh, distribute it out, uh, usually by you know middle class workers in government bureaucracies uh, that then would distribute the money to lower income people by way of, you know, food vouchers or, you know, EBT cards or whatever. Um, Instead of doing all of that, you just give everybody automatically a check every month for their basic guaranteed income. And that would cover the costs of, you know, the average housing costs in your area, the food costs in your area, uh, some, you know, medical uh, clothing, like your basic uh, needs of living right your 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 basic standard of living your basic needs your basic goods and you they would factor all of these uh, numbers based on your uh, the, the metro area and they would send out the basic guarantee income to everybody and so rich people would get it too but it, it wouldn't really matter it would offset you know whatever the minimum is that it costs to live in an area that that's the idea and then the exchange for that is that you get rid of all of the bureaucracy that is used to administer all of these other welfare programs this was originally tried with the uh the earned income tax credit milton friedman was at first a supporter of this concept you know the free market economist guy the nobel prize winning economist milton friedman and ronald reagan they were like let's try this but what they realized immediately was that democrats have no intention of dismantling the welfare state so it just became in addition to and so they were like hit the brakes stop doing this <laughs> no more and this is i and now you know andrew yang started running on this for when he was running for president now he's running for mayor of new york he's still talking about it and this is what people are interested in they want an, a monthly check for not doing any work and if they can hang out all day and you know scroll through uh social media and um yeah i mean yes you're gonna have to you know make certain sacrifices like maybe you don't get to eat out as much as you otherwise would but here's the other thing there's a whole underground economy that occurs as well people who make money on the side with their side hustle and stuff um so you can get the government check and still make some money under the table 
and you're now maybe better off than you were working a job and you have all this time on your hands. You get to make your own schedule every day. I mean, think about all the extra time you have to go for that high score at Grand Theft Auto. I don't know why I'm keep I keep hitting Grand Theft Auto. I mean, there were other games what what Roblox, uh, Minecraft, uh Halo. <laughs> uh you could play a lot of video games. Look, and I say that as a gamer. I told Christy and I were um we were watching a show uh, the other day and one of the characters gets this inheritance check for 10 million dollars and um I said to Christy, I was like, if I got an inheritance check for $10 million, I might very well just pack up everything and spend, uh, I don't know, maybe five years just traveling, eating out. I would wake up every day. I'd have a personal trainer, work out every morning, uh, go eat uh, anywhere I wanted to, travel anywhere, and then spend the rest of my time just like playing video games. That might be my life if I won $10 million. I say this, uh, well, I probably, yeah, I would would also probably drink a whole lot more. You get bored. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know. I just, I think, I think there is, um, there's a propensity for a lot of humans to sort of slide into slothiness, into gluttony. I think it's why they these are two of the deadly sins. I think these are traits, these are things that people have identified a very, very long time ago as being not too good for humans in general. It's good to have some free time. It's bad to have only free time, right? And this is this is why I find this concept to be kind of sort of repugnant because as Ted Budd mentioned, there are 8 million job openings right now. And in the last quarter, that last jobs report, less than a quarter of a million jobs were created. So what does that mean? It means you've got seven, I mean, seven and a half, seven and three quarters of a million jobs that are just not being filled. And North Carolina's unemployment rate is somewhere around, what are we at, 5% now? Before the pandemic, it was under 4. Is full employment, we were at like 3.2 or something percent, 3.5%. And then when the government locked us all down, it soared up to 13.5%. And then a year later, we're back down to 5. But there's still this slack in the system. And you got a lot of people that are enjoying it. They do. And I'm not, and see, Senator Wiley... Nickel, um, one of the Democrats in the uh, General Assembly during the floor debate, he said there's this false narrative being pushed that North Carolina uh, North Carolinians are lazy and don't want to work. And that's simply not true. Is it? (laughs) I'm not saying all North Carolina hashtag all North Carolinians. I'm not saying all North Carolinians. I'm saying some there are some. I'd say it's the difference between that 5% unemployment rate and the 3.2%, whatever that that slack is, one and a half to 2%, the slack of slackers, right? Whatever. Okay, sorry. I don't mean to. All right. Look, again, these are rational. I've said this repeatedly. These are rational decisions. If you're going to pay me as much or more or roughly the equivalent of what I could make working, I'm not going to work. By the way, we're seeing some of this manifest itself in some other areas, too, where people who have been working at home, they now don't want to go back to the office and they're quitting. (laughs) They're quitting their jobs because they don't want to go back to work at the office. 
And so this opens up a whole other area of questions I'm going to get to in a minute. If you got questions, though, about what type of tool you need to get the job done correctly, then go to General Equipment Rental. First off, they're going to know the answer to your questions. But secondly, they've got the tools, too. Okay, so you can rent uh, like the big stuff. If you need like earth moving equipment or heavy machinery, you can rent uh, the tools and equipment from them. Uh, You can also buy a bunch of equipment from them. Your outdoor power tools and stuff, they've got chainsaws and trimmers, hedge clippers, they've got blowers, they've got gas and battery operated stuff too, which like the the battery operated stuff nowadays, it's powerful. I remember, like I'm old enough to remember when that stuff first came out and people were like, oh, I can't use that. Now, like I prefer a lot of battery powered stuff versus the gas uh, powered stuff. Uh, But they can walk you through all the pros and cons uh, of each of the pieces of equipment. And uh, you're going to get great deals. Get 10% off, by the way, your first rental at General Equipment Rental. Make sure you tell them you heard it here on the podcast. That's GeneralRents.com. You can see all of their inventory, all the deals. Go to GeneralRents.com. They are located in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental. Think outside your toolbox. So I saw this article at Bloomberg the other day where uh, and it was only one person. I don't even I didn't even print it out because it, it's not it wasn't like a research based kind of a piece, but it it was an individual anecdote. And uh, but, you know, anecdotes do kind of give a window into some, you know, universal truth sometimes. And so uh, this person was saying that they went back to the office and they're like, screw this, I'm not going back. The commute is what was killing them. It was like a two-hour commute, and they're like, I, I got more stuff done at home where I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, time burglars stopping by my cubicle <laughs> and, uh, you know, talking about all sorts of stuff and the water cooler chit-chat. And some bosses are concerned about, like, we're losing the corporate culture. And that's a real thing, by the way, so I'm not trying to minimize that either. But, um, you know, just throwing this out there, maybe your employees did not actually have eight hours worth of work to be completing at the office. And like, I have been a proponent of working from home when you can. It makes sense to me because again, it's time and money. You're sacrificing time for money. And I talk about this in terms of like property crimes as well. When people think, oh, you know, at least, you know, you weren't, it wasn't a violent attack. You just were burglarized. Yeah, but I sacrificed chunks of my life because that's what time is i i sacrificed portions of my life in exchange for a unit of currency that i then traded with somebody else to get something that now you stole from me so you in essence stole a chunk of my life that now i have to replace right that's what happens in property crimes And it's no different when, you know, I'm trading an hour or two hours of my life in a car driving back and forth to your office to work for you. And I'm giving up that portion of my life. I'm not being compensated for that. Right. I'm doing that when I get there. So that is a cost. That is a true cost. And you don't get the time back. Now, some people don't mind the commute, right? Like if you are in a city, you can jump on a train and you can, you know, read or play uh, Grand Theft Auto on your smartphone or whatever. I don't even know if it's an app. I don't even know if you can play it on your smartphone. But, uh, you, you know, you, you can pass the time and maybe you don't care. Maybe people enjoy the commute. I'm not sure who they might be. <laughs> and I say that as one, I like driving. Not really a big fan of the commute, though. Um, and so if you can work from home 
and the business allows for that, and it makes sense to do so, it, I think more businesses should allow for that. But now you've got people who have realized they can actually be more productive at home, that they don't actually have enough work to fill an eight-hour day, and while they're home, they get to do other things, like not shower, right? They get to do that. They <laughs> Well, and here's the thing. People who are disciplined find this to be an easier lift. Um, I'm not exactly the most disciplined person, but I'm disciplined enough when it comes to working that, you know, every morning I am up at 5 a.m., even if I'm exhausted, tired, I am up to do this job. So I am a self-motivated person for this show, right, for doing this work. I don't know what that would be like if I was on the clock for somebody else because I work for myself. I don't know what that would be like. Would I be able to, you know, still have the passion for working for somebody else like that? People who enjoy their work, I, probably not a problem for them. But I also wonder, like, are a lot of businesses now going to reassess whether or not they've been having people come in and paying them to do work, not well, not to do work, but to be on site for eight hours when the workload actually only requires like four to five or six hours of actual working. If you can get your job done in less than eight hours and then you're already home when you're done, why should you work more? Is the corporate culture argument paramount? Does that actually persuade people to say, well, you need to sacrifice an hour of your life commuting because the corporate culture requires everybody to be around for the, uh, you know, the birthday cake lunches <laughs> at the office? Uh, it builds camaraderie. Again, some office, uh, I, I would assume some places of business, that's really important, right? You really should be around each other and have that kind of unit cohesion developed. Fine. But I'd submit for the vast majority of <laughs> of uh, workplaces, that is not required. It's not necessary. And so if you could be more productive at home, it kind of makes sense to keep everybody home. And um, that's actually now also going to uh, have an impact on housing patterns, right? And development patterns in cities. Like this could, like, we are in a transition right now with the technology. And, like, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, unfortunately, I'm not confident in uh, our uh, society's ability to manage it, but I'm excited to see where it goes. <laughs> it might go someplace good. It might. Congressman Ted Budd. At this press conference announcing their proposal at the General Assembly uh, to give people bonuses to go work, uh, he says there's too much of an incentive right now for people to stay home. For instance, I get on a uh, telephone town hall recently, a uh, lady says she makes $10 per hour, $400 per week, she pays $200 in child care, so that's half of her income. So in that uh, discussion, my question is, look, there's... 8.1 million job opportunities out there. Of course, not all of them for her, but there's a lot of lot of ways for her to earn more than $10 per hour. And uh, we understand the hardship that people have had, but there's nothing to replace the dignity of actual work and improving oneself to earn more opportunities. There's so many opportunities out there. Right. This is the thing is that you could stay home. And I understand like that's a rational decision again. Like if I've got childcare costs that are going to eat up 80% of my income, why would I go to work when I can make the same amount of money and stay home with my kid? Because staying home and raising your kid, like I would say that's way more valuable 
than the 20%. I've been saying this for years, by the way, which the studies, you know, that they, they have done, like if you take a dual income household, uh, so mom and dad, well, sorry, two parents, sorry, is that limiting? Am I, is that problematic to say there are two parents? Maybe there are more, whatever. Let's just say hypothetically, there's a male, female, uh, 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 co-parenting unit and they uh, they've got a kid and they both go to work and let's say the female's the breadwinner the male is not the kid is in daycare because of they're both working you can take on average the second income earner not the breadwinner but the one who makes less most of their salary goes to pay only for the daycare costs so you could essentially find enough savings in your budget say 20 percent or whatever it might be find those savings in the budget and keep the parent home with the kid and the kid is going to benefit way more by being around their parent. And, uh, but unfortunately, like a lot of people don't make that decision. And, uh, so like, I understand if you're a single parent, especially like, yeah, your options become very limited. You've got to work. Now, if government's going to give you these checks and you get to stay home with the kid and not work and it, it all comes out even, that's a rational decision. It is. It's a rational decision. Um, Bud was asked whether uh, this shows the need to raise the minimum wage. Get to that in a minute. First, you need to get to old Grouch's military surplus if you, of course, are looking for real U.S. military surplus. If you're looking for first aid kits, if you're looking to build up your prepper supply, if you are a hiker or a camper, you need outdoor gear, backpacks, camp stoves, ammo cans, which are great for storage. Um, he's got all sorts of really unique and cool items, gun accessories as well. If you are uh, among the record number of new gun owners, let Tim at Old Grouches help you outfit it with some of the essential accessories. Old Grouches Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It's on Main Street. Uh, the shop is open Monday through Saturday. It is across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, and be sure and ask Tim about that. It's a cool story. Uh, go to the website also, oldgrouch.com. That's oldgrouch.com. So one of the arguments from progressives, and you heard Senator Wiley Nickel make it um, uh, earlier in the uh, the Senate debate about this, this question of, well, people are going back to work, so therefore that means the minimum wage is too low. You need to raise the minimum wage. Doesn't this prove that you need to raise the minimum wage in order to get people to go back to work? Ted Budd, congressman uh, running for U.S. Senate, he was asked about this at the press conference. Where minimum wage is right, minimum wages right now, it's actually of no effect because the market has pushed demand for for labor so high that uh, there's very few people that are actually uh, receiving minimum wage. They're right. already above it, so I would say it's become it's it's not moot, but I would say it, it's actually happened. People are making above minimum wage. Um, there is no $15 legislation that's passed, but people are, uh, if they push hard enough in the workforce, even those with entry-level skills are able to make that kind of money or close to it. Yeah, thank, thank you, Congressman Bud. I'd also like to add to that that uh, I've talked to many employers in the state that uh, are paying far, far above minimum wage. I've had manufacturers call me and say, Senator, I'm offering $22 an hour and $25 an hour, and I just can't find the workforce that I need. And one of the hazards of us finding ourselves in uh, this particular situation is we're seeing jobs go overseas. I've had, uh, I've had manufacturers tell me that they're now pushing jobs to Asia and to Mexico because they have no problem 
hiring abroad. Right. This is one of the beefs that I have with a lot of reporting on economic data and reports that come out is that they're usually often framed uh, as, you know, good news, this data point and or bad news, this data point. And the economy is so massive and the impacts and influences and factors are so numerous and variable that framing something as simply good or bad um, is very myopic. It, it limits understanding to a great degree because, for example, on th- this minimum wage argument, you know, should we raise it to $15 an hour? That's just proof that we need to raise it, you know, the minimum wage. Well, um, no, it doesn't because you're ignoring the the benefit that occurs where somebody does not have to work for that same amount of money. So somebody says to me, Pete, I can give you a job, $15 an hour, and you got to work 40 hours a week. Oh, and also you have to commute each way half an hour. So that add, you know, another five hours onto your day. Oh, and also you're going to have to pack your lunch. You're going to have to have some clothes that are, you know, business casual and that sort of thing. So you may have to pay for some of that stuff. Oh, also you're going to be working with some people that you don't like very much. Um, so you have all of these other, uh, all these other factors to include, or instead of all of that at $15 an hour, how about I give you $12 an hour and you have your whole day free. So like, is that worth $3 an hour per day? Is that worth it to you? Or to me, I guess, in this scenario, right? So simply pitching this as a, well, we need $15 an hour minimum wage. Like that's the that's the reason why people are sitting out. It's because the pay is too low. Um, that's not necessarily the only factor, first of all. Second of all, there's also ignoring right now inflation, which is occurring and uh, seems to be getting worse. And so that $15 an hour minimum wage that you're saying is a living wage is not going to be a living wage for much longer, <laughs> right? Uh, first of all, second, uh, or I guess now I'm on third of all, um, you've got businesses in the private sector that are also offering bonuses. So think about this. I think one of them was like one of the major restaurant groups. I forget which one it was. Um, but, you know, they, they own a bunch of the franchises like you know Olive Garden and... Uh, Carabas and whatever. So one of those types of groups. And they were offering, I think it was a $1,000 signing bonus for people to come work at their restaurants. So think about that. If you had the federal legislation, the state legislation implemented, that's what, $2,400 it said was the, uh, yeah, $2,400 somebody could make just by taking a job within 30 days. $2,400 plus another grand if you took a job at at that restaurant group and got the signing bonus, right? Like right now you have employees who are in great positions to negotiate better wages for themselves when they walk in the door. And that's what we need to be teaching people. Like, how do you value what you are worth? Now, nobody thinks they're paid what they're worth. Let's just put that out there first, right? Nobody thinks that they're ever paid what they're worth. Um, But how do you, accurately assess what you can command and when you walk in that's when you negotiate for that uh, for that job now laura leslie at wral was there at this press conference and she says well are you saying that the 300 dollars a week check is preventing people from taking jobs that pay 22 to 25 dollars 
Now, this is, by the way, this is a legitimate question. This is, a, um, an, I don't want to say antagonistic, but it is a devil's advocate, right? This is a challenging question that the reporter is asking the Republicans. Totally fair question. I'd also like to see it uh, applied to Democrats a little bit more often. I understand they have the big D shield that blocks a lot of these types of challenging questions from being asked. Um, But I'd like to see more of an effort put forth to ask these types of devil's advocate questions. Right. Because what her what she's saying is she's implying a disbelief and asking for evidence or proof or some sort of an argument in defense of this idea that people are getting three hundred dollars a week. And that that's preventing people from taking a job that pays $22 to $25 uh, an hour. And um, I would submit math says yes. Math says that because $300 a week is $1,400 a month. That's $1,400 a month. And again, if there's a $22 an hour job or $25 an hour job and uh, I'm getting twelve hundred dollars on top of whatever state benefits there are that I'm pulling down and that that uh, is on a they've got a, a formula for that so it's not a hard and fast rule but if you're pulling down three to four thousand dollars a month in unemployment or maybe maybe twenty five to twenty five hundred dollars a month in unemployment twenty five hundred dollars a month in unemployment Ain't too bad because, again, you get all of the rest of your day to do whatever you want. And if you've got side hustling going on where you're not, you know, paying taxes, you're doing it all, you know, under the table, off book. Yeah, you could do okay. You can. You can do okay. And you don't have to put up with all of the other stuff. And you're thinking, well, you know what? I'll go back to work in a couple months. I'm just going to make this the summer of Pete. I mean, you would call it the summer of you you, because you're not named Pete. Unless you're named Pete, then it would be, yes, the summer of Pete. But I actually had somebody tell me that. She was a teacher, as a matter of fact. Um, And she said uh, 10 years ago when I got laid off and uh, I was at a friend's house, they they were having a party. And I was like right at the beginning of looking for the job, looking for a job in my job search. And uh, she said something to me along the lines of, uh, you know, so how, how is it going? Are you enjoying your, you know, unemployment? And I thought she was like kind of kidding. And I was like, yeah, you know, well, aside from the, the constant uh, churning in my stomach, this feeling like I need to go get a job because I'm losing ground and I'm going to be destitute and thrown on, out on the street soon. Like, aside from that, yeah, I guess it's fine. And she's like, oh, you just need to make this the summer of Pete. That's what she said. <laughs> Okay, Uh, I don't think I will, Um, but thank you. I think I'm actually going to keep looking for a job, (laughs) and I did. And it was not a job I wanted. It was a job that I tried, and I tried to make work, and it didn't work for me. And uh, it actually, though, it paid it paid my bills. It uh, it kept me employed, right? And um, it was there that I then was able to get the job in Asheville, and that's how I got to Asheville. So, like, I I think this is one of the things that Ted Budd mentioned as well. Like, the opportunities that open up to you when you are working, you you get you just have more exposure to more people and more opportunities. You have more room for growth, and uh, that's really you know that that is really a key component here. It, that's 
know, to take it back to that, you know, office culture thing, if you're hanging around the office and you're hanging out with these other people, you become aware of opportunities that might exist inside the company or outside the company. You become aware of these things that you otherwise would not be aware of if you're working from home all the time. So Laura Leslie from WRAL, she asked this question, like, are you saying the $300 a week check is preventing people from taking jobs that pay 22 to $25 an hour? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to analyze the precise cause and effect, but, but let's face it, it is easier to not work than it is to work. A lot of planning goes on in one's life, and it creates a lot of discipline. And while it may not be a dollar-for-dollar dollar exchange to work, uh, I believe there is a percentage of the population that's gotten comfortable and gotten out of the habit of looking for a job. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think comfort level really is an important thing here because there are a lot of jobs that people left that are no longer there. And it's going to take something to energize them, to encourage them uh, to, to go look for a job elsewhere. So the bill passed with bipartisan support in the Senate. But it still faces other hurdles. This is a piece by Lynn Bonner, who used to work for, I think it was the News and Observer. Now she's over at uh, NC Policy Watch, the left-wing think tank. And uh, she says the bonuses would be paid with money from the federal pandemic unemployment fund, uh, which does not allow the money to be used for bonuses. So they need federal approval for this bill to actually work. The bill would require the state to get permission from the U.S. Department of Labor. The Senate blocked another proposed amendment that would have raised the state minimum wage to $15 an hour. That was Democrats' play. Um, and then there was another play that would have increased the state weekly benefits to a maximum of $500 up from $350 when federal benefits end in September. So they want to take us back to that system that the Democrats had in place when I went on unemployment. <laughs> so they want to take it to $500 unemployment, so two grand a month for unemployment insurance, which, by the way, remember, this is uh, businesses that are paying into that fund. Businesses pay into that fund. They also wanted to allow unemployed people to get benefits for up to 26 weeks. Under current law, state benefits last from 12 to 20 weeks, depending on the unemployment rate. They, um, both of those measures failed. Both of those amendments failed, uh, but the bill did get bipartisan support uh, in the Senate. So we'll see if it gets through the House, and I have no hopes whatsoever that Governor Cooper would sign this into law. So not sure what it's all about, except maybe to jam up some Democrats on the issue for the election. That is a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Remember, subscribe to the podcast, thepetecalendarshow.com, and I'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.